Right. We're Good. up. It's working. Technology everywhere. Hi, everybody. Hello. Get us sound happier. All right. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> this was a heavy movie. <laughs> well, but we're happy to be starting the podcast. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Dan. I'm Carrie. I'm Patrick. And welcome to the 1983 Academy Awards. We keep chugging along. This That's is right. If I Ran the Oscars, our podcast about watching one film from every year the Oscars was on TV. We look at one of the awards it won for, and then we pick three others chosen at random. Three other categories, it is. Not three other movies. That would take too long. This, Especially, one, already, this one already took too long. <laughs> well, it didn't take too long, but uh, it was luckily, a long Luckily, not every movie is three hours long. Some of them are. Mm-hmm. And this year... The Academy Award facts are basically going to be It's Gandhi. And we watched Gandhi. Uh, it was nominated for 11 awards and won eight. Wow. So that was, you know, if we were going to get the next one down, uh, for it would be the one that got all of the technical awards, E.T. Mm. Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, and after that, it's just a, you know, one here, one there. Like Meryl Streep won for the movie she was in, mm-hmm. things like that. But this one took home a lot and probably could have taken home more best picture and best director and best actor mm-hmm. and best screenplay. Yeah. So just I mean, there, the fact that it didn't win best actress is basically down to there really was only one main ish actress. And I don't think that she didn't act. I mean, no. I uh, will be, will be, they coming... were supporting actresses. They weren't yeah. lead actresses in yeah. this film. We will in fact be coming to her later because it is important uh gandhi is of course based off of real life human person mr Mm -hmm. gandhi Mm -hmm. uh who honestly and i don't know if this is because of my poor american upbringing and not remembering my history we didn't study this (laughs) i didn't know his first name wasn't mahatma Mm -hmm. Mm. guilty and same here so you know that's unfortunate because boy i wish i had known more about this guy Mm-hmm. That was a failing in the uh, curriculum That's I mean, that I picked. It's, you know, Britain and India is not America, so it's something that we're not going to necessarily focus on as much. Uh, the production was actually a joint uh, venture between the UK and India. Most mm-hmm. of the funding from the UK, unsurprisingly. But for there to be such a funding and support for a movie that's honestly about how much the British suck... Yeah. is kind of impressive. Like that's that that takes some introspective in, introspection that I don't think many film companies nowadays would be willing to do. Well, perhaps and especially not from the British side of things. Oh yeah. So I think that in this film they weren't afraid to make the British look like the uh, snotty yeah. our way is the right way. They, they weren't afraid yeah. to show that. Which, of course, is what they were had to have been like to pull that off. Uh, the film is uh, directed and uh, produced by Richard Attenborough, Baron Knight CBE FRSA, the Right Honorable Lord Attenborough. Mm-hmm. He has some awards on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the older brother of Sir David Attenborough, mm-hmm. who does nature documentaries, and I originally... Forgot that there were two Attenboroughs when I first heard his name. Richard Attenborough is known to many people uh, from Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, so you know, that's a thing. He's got some crud. Uh, he's been in a lot of other things. He looks like Santa, which means he was in Miracle on 34th Street. Oh golly. 
So that's kind of a big deal. Uh, he originally secured an agreement with Prime Minister Nehru in 1952. Wow. To tell the story. To, yeah. Uh, no, he didn't. Gabriel Pascal, another uh, uh, no, Hunga- Hungarian film producer, but produced a lot of UK films. Uh, uh, Major Barbara, Caesar and Cleopatra, and Androcles and the Lion, kind of in the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he successfully uh, brought the plays of George Bernard Shaw, mentioned in this mm-hmm. movie as a contemporary entertainer. Pascal brought his his plays to the screen. He worked with Nehru. Pascal died in 54. Anbro was contacted by uh, Motilal Kothari, who I had misattributed uh, when we were first looking at this as one of the prime ministers of India. He was not. He was, however, a civil servant working with the High Commission in London. Okay. Uh, he then allowed, got Anbro talking to Nehru, but then... Nehru and uh, Kathari both died, and it fell through. So eventually they got around to this with David Leon and Sam Spiegel having an idea after okay. Bridge on the River Kwai. Okay. They wanted Alec Guinness to be Gandhi, because they know Alec Guinness, mm-hmm. and honestly he probably could have pulled it off. But they did Lawrence of Arabia instead. <laughs> uh, Leon uh, was going to uh, direct uh, Attenborough's project, but instead, he went and filmed Ryan's daughter, and then Kathari died, and the project fell through. Attenborough tried again in 1976. Then the prime minister declared a state of emergency and shut down all shooting. Yeah, things like that happen. Uh, and they got 10 million from the National Film Development Corporation of India, and the rest of the backing came from British investors. And in 1980, they finally got the rest of the money. Well, because this was. You know, cast of thousands. Over 300,000 extras were used in the funeral scene, the most for any film. Wow. Yep. And that's about it for production. There's not a whole lot on the Wikipedia page Mm -hmm. for how this movie was made, and I would really like to know some, like, historical accuracy things. Mm -hmm. Uh, The train scene definitely happened. Yeah. Into him in real life. But another interesting thing is, this one's less about education and more just... It doesn't come up. Sir Ben Kingsley, born Krishna Pandit Banji, was born to an English mother and a father of Indian descent. It's okay. the reason why he looks so darn believably Indian. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> okay. I don't know that. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't want to get through his entire career, because he's done a lot. He's done a lot mm-hmm. of Boy, I... <laughs> Your dad was just watching a Netflix film with him yeah. Yeah. this week. Yeah. Most most recently in pop culture, people would recognize him from Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. where he played almost the bad guy. <laughs> he he was acting. He was a, he was a bad fact, guy. An actor playing yeah. the bad guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was good. Uh, I would like to touch on some interesting things from his early career just because I wouldn't have believed this. In 1966, he was spotted by the Beatles publisher who offered to mold him into a pop star. <laughs> Can you imagine the world we live in where Ben Kingsley was a, was a pop star like the Beatles? Wow. But instead, he joined the Royal Shakespeare Company. I support that. And uh, his debut was in As You Like It, and further productions for them involved 
Much Ado About Nothing, Richard III, The Tempest, A Midsummer Night's Dream, Hamlet, and The Merry Wives of Windsor. That's that's like my favorites. He's really good yeah. play at Falstaff. No, in, no, he's too in, small. And in the sixties, he changed his name and apparently reported immediately after I did, more people offered me audition. That's just sad, which is it? unfortunate. But you know, oh. well, that's life in the nineteen sixties. And his first film role was in seventy-two, so he wasn't necessarily new to film. But right, boy, right, right, this right. was his role. Uh huh. And he probably was very happy to play it. Sure. I I did pull up Rohini Hatangadi, who played his wife. Okay. She's important because not only does she is she a very well known, very well known Indian actress mm-hmm. in Hindi films. She's the only Indian actress with a BAFTA for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Mm. Nice. She did not get the Academy Award or even a nomination, which is unfortunate, but. I mean, BAFTA's still pretty good. BAFTA's still a big deal. Uh, More people appearing in this. The return of John Gilgood. (laughs) We can't get rid of him. Uh, Also, Ian Charleston. Also, Ian Charleston. Three or four films with Gilgood. Yeah, Ian Charleston is back again, playing a priest in a foreign country. Or a missionary. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, However, we do get some new people we haven't talked about. Martin Sheen. Uh, around here, we know him from the West Wing very well, and currently in the Netflix series Grace and Frankie, which we've also talked about, I believe. That's true. Uh, he was in Apocalypse Now, which we avoided, unfortunately. <laughs> well, that happened. Yeah. That's the roll of the dice. Yeah. I, I have viewed Apocalypse Now. I think that was an okay miss. Yeah. Uh, also in this one, Sir John Mills, who played one of the British... Uh, Muckety Mucks? Yeah, he was one of the leader British muckety-mucks. I uh, had a career spanning from 1932 to 2004. What? He's been around. His first film what? was 1932. And was his he last a movie, baby? Uh, no, no. He was 24. Oh, my god. <laughs> He's goodness. born in 1908. He's appeared in more than 120 films. Excelled as an appealing British everyman who portrayed guileless, wounded war heroes. Uh, He got the Academy Award for his performance in Ryan's Daughter in 1971. He was knighted by Elizabeth II in 76. So he's one of the oldest knights we've had on here. No kidding. Uh, BAFTA Fellowship in 2002 and was named a Disney legend. Because he's been in so darn many Disney films. Wow. So, you know... Said we haven't talked about him. Mm-hmm. There was uh, Sir Daniel Michael Blake Day-Lewis was in one scene. <laughs> uh, we've seen him in previous podcasts. Uh, he's been known to do a few things like Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I missed was, him, but he was must have been so young. He was. You he remember was when the young. when the he uh, was walking with the priest. At like the very beginning, and the three hoodlums that caught to them. The three hoodlums were on the street. He was the hoodlum that whose mom yelled at him. Yeah, who had a speaking part. He was late for work. Yeah, I totally missed that. He was too young. Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize him. Uh, I tell you what, I think the acting overall. Oh yeah, was very believable. Last bet you didn't notice this guy is John Ratzenberger, who was the driver for the uh, photographer from the life. Magazine Life magazine lady late in the movie. I he, didn't recognize him until you pointed him out. He is uh, known for portraying Cliff Clavin in the series Cheers. 
and for having a uh, speaking role in every Pixar movie, mm. starting with Toy Story 1 with Ham. I, I believe they did get him back to be the underminer the second time. Yeah. <laughs> but he's uh, done a lot of things, but nowadays he's basically known for Pixar movies, it's which is voice fine. acting. Yeah, voice mm-hmm. acting. Yeah, sure. and Candace Bergen was the photographer, and mm-hmm. she's... She got pretty high billing in this. Her I think agent. she was like second or third yeah. uh, above her, the line. I was wondering where she was. I didn't recognize her. Her yeah. agent yeah. got her some pretty good billing yeah. because I don't believe that her acting was necessarily key no, to the she whole was, story. No, she was kind of... She, was, yeah, a, she like, was there and doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Was she but, nominated for... I don't know. No, but know. she was... I don't she think was she the got second person listed. She got the BAFTA for supporting act for like supporting actress, not best actress. Huh? No, I mean she. Ben Kingsley was his. He was named, and then she was named yeah. when they were rolling the credits. No, and I thought the that was only unusual. actor and the only acting person who was not even nominated was Ben Kingsley, mm-hmm. and he won. For and this he won. Role. Obviously, this mm-hmm. was. I would. I would have been upset if he hadn't been. Mm-hmm. This is. This was outstanding. I, I feel bad that I missed it when I was younger. Yeah. No. I think I would have uh, changed our, you know, world history yeah. curriculum to include it if I had been more knowledgeable myself. Yeah. This is, we're on back-to-back best pictures here, and this is a very different feeling picture. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. I think Grandpa said at some point it was slow, and I feel like a less dedicated to history director would have cut out bits to speed it up Mm -hmm. and i think it's to the credit of history that it was slow also i think it helped to shape the feeling of non-violence we're not rushing through this we're not jumping into things we're not going to make any rash movements Mm -hmm. we're going to let it play out and especially at the end when it's all old people you can't rush that part of the movie they're old Mm mm-hmm I no take... offense, old people. <laughs> you mean the rest of us that are I sitting with you? Complaining. I yeah. was just saying it was yeah. for me because I damn near fell asleep. Yeah, that, times. that is that is the problem with history is sometimes history isn't happening and we fall asleep, <laughs> or it is happening and yeah. we fall asleep. History is always happening. History That's is right. in fact always happening. That's right. I like I like to say you mentioned the seventy-six-year-old actor. Being knighted? Mm-hmm. No, he's knighted in seventy six. In so I see yeah. in seventy. But he was, was old, but he was, you know, seventy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there is a difference. Yes. <laughs> However, my, to finish my story, it, it just hit a nerve because I heard just yesterday or the day before. I was asked to look up who uh, played uh, General Smuts to figure mm-hmm. out who that was. Yeah, yeah. His name is Athol Fugard. He's a South African playwright, novelist, actor, and director, widely regarded as South Africa's greatest playwright. Hmm. So, again, when they asked him to be, play an important person in the history of South Africa, he probably said, okay. Sure. <laughs> he, is per- he is best known for political plays opposing apartheid. Okay. And his 2005 Oscar-winning film of his novel, Tsatsi. Huh. Acclaimed as the greatest active playwright in the English-speaking world by time in 1985. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Another history lesson for us. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. His his role here, you know, and how that doesn't necessarily fit, mm-hmm. but it does. I. There's not a whole lot to say about this movie that wouldn't either be spoilers or 
saying what's honestly on the guy's Wikipedia page. This is a fairly accurate movie as far as cursory Wikipedia searches go. You have to be an actual scholar of the man to know where they tweaked this. Mm -hmm. Or how they pushed or pulled the timeline. The biggest change is that Martin Sheen's character is a fictional reporter based on a real reporter. Just about every other character in this film was an actual person who lived back then. So that's impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that yeah. not even Chariots of Fire did. They uh, they invented more people. Right. Yeah. Well, I thought it was beautiful to look at. I mean, this you know, not that looking at people who live out in the countryside and are uh, living in poverty conditions is a beautiful thing, but I think they the the way that they filmed even the Civil War stuff that. They they started showing the beginnings of that at uh, when Pakistan was created. Even that was, I think, filmed in a way that wasn't sensational. It se- it seemed real mm-hmm. and it seemed right, and I I, I appreciated that. Packed trains, mm-hmm. you know. No, it it very much went with his character of seeing what real life is like mm-hmm. and not sugarcoating mm-hmm. it. And the opulence of British. Uh, you know the palatial homes mm-hmm. in in India compared with the the life at the ashram. To that end, I'd like to talk about the three things that it didn't win for, but it was nominated for because it's that's a little interesting actually. Because mm-hmm. one of it was uh, soundtrack. Okay. It did not. It was nominated, but not did not win for best original score. Who did? Uh, that would be E. T. Huh. That was the John, was John Williams. Williams. That was John Williams. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to. Yeah. Beat him out uh, of the academy. And I, I mean, that's hard to beat. It's, you know, traditional Indian music, which people would think is, you know, interesting, but maybe not, like, cinematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's right. politics to go there. It doesn't match us. It's... It also yeah. was nominated for Best Sound, which has to do with sound editing mm-hmm. and all that, which I think is interesting because it was going basically based off of sound mixing and, like, adding in flex. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So there's not much to go on there, but you know. But it was nominated. The fact that no one noticed is a good thing. That means they did yeah. a good job. Pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Et won that one as well. Yeah. And it has sci-fi yes. noises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know. But also in there is Tron. I didn't realize Tron was this year. Yeah. Oh. And most importantly, there were only two films nominated for best makeup, and it didn't win. Huh. The film that won is a prehistoric science fiction adventure about the quest for fire. Called Quest for Fire. Well, those, those you can't. So you know you can't be you can't be cavemen. No. <laughs> but the quality of old man makeup over the course of this film was yeah. very good. Yeah. For how long ago it was? Yeah. I mean, nowadays we really expect a lot more. Yeah. Well, nowadays but... what you can you can do the reverse. You can have an old man and then digitally make him younger. Where in this one they had to take all of the normal aged people. And make them look older and older. And there was no digital modifications. No. Correct. Correct. So I'm a little disappointed at the lack of award for that one because it looks like it took a lot of work. But eh, you can't beat Caveman. Apparently not. So we are discussing first Best Art Direction for which it won the Academy Award. That is what we rolled. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Art Direction again. This is where I get fuzzy. Art Direction is going to be Set Design. Overall general, set design. In general, set design. Well, that's what I... That's, you know, those were framing the shots when we were out in the country. They were 
there were helicopter shots. There were inside this. Like you those, know, that's more mar- that's more cinematography. Yeah, there was but, a lot but, you know, of which it also won for. Yeah. But Hattie. inside of yeah. you know the palatial estates. Yeah, I, I think there there were places where it, I think just the environments that they set up the scenes seemed absolutely believable. Yeah. I always like when the when it looks like they're filming in the real building, even when it's a when it's a set. Yeah. It's like, did they in set the up the ashram or did they go find mm-hmm. one? Yeah. Either we, we way, can't tell. either way, either it was way, well it was done. very good. Yeah. One of the very first things I noticed was when he's like very beginning of the movie, and he's in he's just starting in South Africa, and his wife and kids show up the first time. He's got a cloth hanging on the wall that's white, and it's got a blue stripe and a star on it. I'm 100% positive I saw it. In this movie? In this movie, at the very beginning, he has a he had a cloth with, it was white with blue and a Star of David on it. Mm. And I thought, that's exactly what he would have. Because the real life Gandhi did that. He studied other religions. Mm. And it would be absolutely like him to be like, no, we're going to have this here. Yeah. We don't need a lot. Yeah, he just was enough crossing to all the lines. It. Just enough to respect it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that no one, no, no one had. It didn't have to be there. No one said, "Daddy, Daddy, why do you have that?" And he goes, "Did do a long spiel." Mm-hmm. It was just there, mm-hmm. and that was something for for set design that really makes a standard. Is the little detail, at least for me. But yeah, very good job. Uh, next good job they did. Best actor we've discussed. Boy, mm-hmm. good job. No matter what other movies you you were uh, watching that year, this one was definitely the contender. The other movies you could have watched if you were looking for good actors is Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie, Jack Lemmon in Missing, Paul Newman in The Verdict, and Peter O'Toole in My Favorite Year. Those were your other nominees. I saw some of those films the year mm-hmm. they came. Uh, best Screenplay is up next. Uh, this one is written directly for the screen. It won for that as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of unsurprising. This was very well written dialogue and everything about it. I think very. He was very clever. I liked how it you know it bookended. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, if we're looking at screenplay from another medium, that would be missing based on the book "The Execution of Charles Horman: An American Sacrifice," beating out Das Boot, which was also this year. Hmm. Lots of stuff going on this year. And the last one is unfortunately sometimes the dice miss. Best special effects. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing we talked about makeup because that's about as special as their effects. They had a big bonfire. They did have a big bonfire, <laughs> but that was not a special <laughs> effect. That was a big bonfire. That was a bonfire. They had a lot of marigolds. They did. Uh, there were three movies nominated for visual effects this year. None of them were Gandhi, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. E.T. won, obviously. Yeah. Right. Can you guess what the other two are? Uh, vi- for visual effects? For visual effects. In 19, he came out in 1982. I can guess, but I'm cheating. He is cheating. You, well, you're looking at your rectangle. <laughs> one of them is a sci-fi movie. One of them is a horror movie. A sci-fi? Yeah, is it would... like some Star Trek movie that came out? No, it's Blade Runner. I wouldn't, oh. have, I wouldn't have come up with them. Blade Runner and... Poltergeist. Ooh, that's too scary. I yeah. don't like to watch scary Luckily, movies. Luckily, Poltergeist didn't win. So, so we might have had we, a chance we, to watch we that. We would not have been watching that movie. Ooh, right. We could have watched E.T. though. Give me my childhood nightmares back. Let's yeah. not do that. I, yeah. In any case, eight Academy Award wins for this movie. It's, I think it, go find it at the library. Go, it's go there. find it at the library. This one is unfortunately, I uh, and I 
I will not get political. I will not discuss any, like, who's right, who's wrong. Mm -hmm. But it's been my belief for a while that things like this, political movements like this, right or wrong, no matter what, can't happen anymore. Because the internet does not allow one person to have that much of an effect on a community. Hmm. Everyone has too la- everyone has enough of a voice that no one voice is loud enough. You couldn't get a guy to fast until he died if the country doesn't shape up and, anymore. And haven't had that kind of influence? No, that wouldn't happen. You'd get yeah. a bunch, you'd get 10,000 people on the internet calling him, you know, dirty names instead. Hmm. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Interesting. Good point. It's and it's a little disappointing because, you know, then... It, to discuss why it's disappointing would get would be getting political, mm-hmm. uh, because then we have to talk about current climates. But yeah. this is the kind of thing that Martin Luther King Jr. was able to do. He was able to be a fairly singular voice for a movement. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to starve himself, but you know, probably you know, seemed like the guy that might have if he thought it would work. And yeah, mm-hmm. and now there's just no way to have one voice as strong as Gandhi. Did. Yeah. And that's disappointing because sometimes you need it. Right, right. In any case, yeah. very good movie. Very yeah. good movie. What, what did you folks think of the airplane? Ancient the, airplane. The airplane that uh, delivered the, the viceroy at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was? What it, it was, I thought it was odd that they had a flag on the outside of the. Cockpit. It was a French flag. Well, they, no, they put that. They put that there after it lands to mm-hmm. show that that's a badge of rank. It wasn't there when he was flying. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Yeah, there was a French flag on the tail. Hmm. They were British. Uh, it was a British airplane. I know, but it looked like I'm pretty sure like, it, it, had the ver- it had the vertical stripes. No, French ver- goes this way. Whose stripes go this way? No, I, I was thinking Poland. Oh, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, I wasn't know. thinking of the decorations no. and the insignias. I was thinking of the plane itself. I, oh. I looked on it. I thought, my God, that's a, that's a U.S. Air Force uh, C-47. And I looked again, uh, and I could never. And this is the one criticism I might have. Of course, they're not, they're not making the movement for guys like me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> who, want, who want to take a look at the details there. If I could have seen the landing gear, I could have definitely identified it. But I couldn't see those. So I waited to see the empennage, which, you know what the empennage is? No. <laughs> that's the rear, that's the tail structure, the mm-hmm. internal structure, mm-hmm. vertical and oh. horizontal stabilizer. And whatever there is back there, that's the empennage. That'll identify a lot of aircraft. But this one, again, it was just too damn many other things in the way and I couldn't quite and mm. besides which the C-47s had an awful lot of modifications mm-hmm. civilians used them the airlines used them the military uh, anyway uh, it sure looked like a like a Boeing you know Douglas DC-3 mm. and I thought it would be kind of odd for you know there were plenty of DC-3s around and plenty of British airplanes around too yeah. that they could use well, I did a quick Google. There's multiple Academy Award winning movies about airplanes, and now mm. I'm looking forward to them. <laughs> <laughs> give give Grandpa his time in the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else to say on this one? I always like to do actor trivia. What's your actor trivia fun. on this one? Well, at least two of the actors with credited parts in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, <laughs> including the nasty guy. Mm-hmm. He was he was one of the he was con in this film all right and uh and nehru had a part in that film and then of course a guy that we've already seen in a recent film Mm -hmm. chariots of fire who you happen to mention was harry potter's uncle yeah he was riding with martin sheen that was it wasn't it yeah 
Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> I think Harry Potter won some awards we might end up having to watch. Kind of interesting. Oh. I don't know. I always like looking at yeah. those. Like where are the actor overlaps, the things I've seen or the things that I would see. If we get through this know, entire podcast without talking about Kevin Bacon once, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. Well, we'll see. All right. Interesting. Well, we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.